1: Welcome to the Jewish Hour. This is the Hanukkah edition. We've got a wonderful show for you today. In addition to a wide assortment of Hanukkah music, we have in this half hour, we have the Council for Public Diplomacy of the Israel Council in Chicago serving the Midwest, Mr. Moran Bierman, who will be talking about the U.N. resolution recently passed and the aftermath thereof. The portion of the week is the portion of Vayigash, it's Genesis 44 and further. We've got an awesome Hasidic story at the end having to do with Hanukkah. This week, first time in 21 years on air, we weren't able to put together any news because I guess the news has become monolithic with the UN and whatnot going on. So instead, for your listening pleasure, this is Keep Alive, it's an Israeli a cappella group. Singing Al Hanisim, which is traditional for Hanukkah. Let's listen in.
0: (laughs) She has I have
1: Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex-Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex-Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program, when you go to Specs, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Spex Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Spex Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000. Or visit them on the web at specshoward.edu. Spex-Howard School of Broadcast Arts, this is where you start. Herschel Schulfinman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on the line from the Israel Consul in Chicago, the Council for Public Diplomacy, Mr. Maran Birman. How are you today, Mr. Birman?
3: I'm good, uh, Robert Seaman. How are
1: you? Good. Thank God. Thank God. If you don't mind, if you could take us off of speaker, please, and talk directly into the phone would be very good for our listeners. We want to, first of all, welcome you to the Midwest. You've only been here since September. This is the first time we've had the opportunity to have uh, you as Anan. And uh, we wish you Shalom Aleichem and Hatzlach a success in your term here in the Midwest.
3: Thank you very much. It's good to be here uh, in the Midwest. Nice weather in Chicago, uh, but I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a far cry from Tel Aviv, yes, indeed. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's very different than Tel Aviv. Uh, I have to I had to get used to the snow, to cleaning my car with a snow brush, to to walking on ice, uh, but you know, this is the walk
1: over a diplomat yeah it comes with the turf so yes indeed um i would say learning english is probably easier than dealing with the snow in chicago personally but okay so yeah. the the un passed a resolution so for people who may have been in a cave or uh, off the grid for the last two weeks could you tell us about the back story behind this un resolution that just recently passed please
3: so the UN or the Security Council of the UN passed a resolution um, condemning the Israeli settlements. And, or um, um, the the, U, the UN did it, and the US, which is uh, a part of the Security Council in the past, uh, used to veto these kind of resolutions because the US, like Israel uh we understand, we share the perspective that uh, the, the peace between Israel and the Palestinians would not go through the UN or through international organizations. Uh, it has to go through direct negotiations between Israel and the Palestinians. This is why in the past the U.S. vetoed these kind of resolutions. But uh, at this resolution, the U.S. did not do it. It abstained, and the, res- the resolution passed. Now, this resolution has no practical implication uh, uh, at this point, but it does, as we see it, it does, uh, first of all, it does not help to, to advance towards peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Secondly, uh, it may lead to more uh, uh, boycott and sanctions against Israel because uh, it, it says that pre-67 borders, are not a part of Israel, and this is very different from what Israel sees. So it shows the difference between the West Bank and the rest of Israel. And when I say the West Bank, this is also Jerusalem, by the way. So basically, what you can understand, what someone might understand from this resolution is that Jerusalem, uh, uh, or the city of Jerusalem, that includes the Western Wall, which is the holiest site to Jews, to is not... Exactly, a part of Israel, which is something that Israel could not agree to, of course. So mm-hmm. this is very basically how we see this resolution.
1: Okay. Now, uh, when this resolution passed, it passed on a Friday, and the show airs on Sunday.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't bother talking about it in the news because Benjamin Netanyahu, a couple of years ago himself, referred to as referred to the UN as. An irrelevant organization. That anything that goes on in there, it doesn't matter. There's nothing to get excited about. So it, this made some news, but you, you brought out maybe some some points. Maybe I might disagree with you about uh, the the significance of it. But is there is there really any significance to this? That this is this has captured Israeli news for the last two weeks.
3: Yes, I think I think there there, there is significance. First of all, I, I agree that the we in Israel, we have, uh, we 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 don't see eye to eye with the UN, especially with the, some of their resolutions. Not only the Security Council, but other UN organizations, uh, like the UNESCO decision a few months back, months back and other decisions made by the UN and its organizations, uh, we think it's uh, biased towards Israel, and that's not. Uh, this has to do with the U.N. and how and how it makes decisions, but this is not uh, the point. I do think, again, this, 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 it doesn't mean that the U.N. will impose sanctions or other countries will impose sanctions on Israel, but it does help the anti-Israel organizations, it does help foreign countries and other countries to impose sanctions on Israel. It, and, again, it doesn't lead to peace between Israel and the Palestinians, this is, I thing the significance. It it, says, it tells the Palestinians, look, uh, the territories, the, the the West Bank, are not a part of Israel, so you don't have to negotiate with Israel. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. And, of course, this is not the way to make peace, and this is not how we achieved peace in the past, uh, Israel, with uh, Jordan or with Egypt. We did it through direct negotiations, and negotiations not through the UN or... Paris conference or or an international organization telling us what's the right thing to do and and how we should uh, uh, negotiate. So this is, I think, the significance of this resolution. Uh, uh, And it it portrays uh, uh, a wrong picture uh, in the world of uh, uh, Israel and the Palestinians. Uh, It does not tell the full story uh, of what the Palestinians did and what the responsibility of the situation, which we think is very important to us as Israel.
1: Okay. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Moran Bierman, who is the Council for Public Diplomacy at the Israel Council in Chicago. You mentioned about the BDS movement, which is, my grandmother would refer to the BDS movie, my Bobby, would refer to the BDS movie as similar to a Kupat Zdaka Be-, Be Shekel Echad bilvat Be- as a as an empty charity box with just one coin in it. It's just like there's nothing in it, but it makes a lot of noise. So the, there, there is a growing anti-BDS movement. There are so far 26 states in the United States that have passed anti-BDS resolutions and laws. Mm-hmm. If you were, Israel is one of 25 emerged market countries. That means that they produce lots and lots and lots of things that lots and lots of other countries want. Is Israel really worried, for example, that Ford, which relies on 7% of all Ford vehicles, are made in Israel? Motorola parts are made in Israel. Dell, Dell, Google, all of these companies have major R&D that's coming out of Israel. Israel is coming up with all kinds of medical, biotechnology, I could go, the list goes on and on and on. All the things that if a person wanted to to divest themselves of anything having to do with Israel, they would basically have to go live back in the 1400s. Are Israelis really, officially, really worried about this?
3: So, first of all, I agree that uh, the Israeli innovation is something that we are very proud of. And you mentioned some of the companies, and there are many other companies which uh, has uh, R&D centers in Israel and we are very proud of it but the the important thing is we don't we we we're, we're not worried that people would stop buying Israeli products or Israeli based products or uh, uh, products that were developed in Israel but we are we are worried from the message it sends the BVS groups the mes- the message it sends that Israel is to blame in the Israeli Palestinian conflict Israel is to blame in everything that happens in the Middle East, and more importantly, the messages that if we'll stop buying Israeli products or if we'll not uh, um, give money to any Israeli companies or to any international companies that are active in Israel, this will lead to a solution, and this is not the case. Again, as I said, a solution between two countries which has a long uh, history of conflict would be with a dialogue, with negotiations not with blaming one side and stop people from buying its products uh, or from uh, investing in companies that are active in in this side again the bds movement is, is i don't think i don't see it as a strategic threat to israel but i do think it sends the wrong message and the message is not of dialogue it's the other way around it's blaming one side and this is just wrong
1: okay so The last time Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was in the United States, there was a meeting together. It wasn't actually this last time. It was the time before that, I believe. There was a meeting between President Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu, and afterwards there was a press conference, and Prime Minister Netanyahu basically gave a public talking down to Obama and just gave him a whole lecture. It was kind of like pulling down his pants in public and giving him a spanking, is the way it appeared. Do you think that that had something to do with the the personality relationship between Benjamin and Netanyahu and Barack Obama? It had something to do with the United States suddenly abstaining in the UN Security Council vote?
3: Uh, I, I heard that. I heard that before. I, I'm not sure about the personal uh, relationship, and we all know that personal relationship, even of two strong countries. Uh, and, and and two countries, uh, the the relationship ca- can be affected by personal relationship between their leaders. But I do think it's it's important to say again that we are deeply grateful to the United States for their support in the past, in for decades, and that is that that support and that relationship between these two countries is based on shared values and shared interests, and that's. Stronger and that's bigger between the the personal relationship between its leaders. Uh, We will have, or the U.S. will have a new president now, so that can be different in terms of uh, uh, the personal relationship. But again, one president in the U.S. or the other, or one prime minister in Israel or the other, that would not change the, the, the friendship and the shared values between the two countries. Um so we'll now have a new president uh, and we'll see how it goes uh, by now. Uh, uh, I think um, President-elect Trump uh, uh, is very supportive of Israel. Of course, we will have to wait and see his administration and how they uh, uh, see Israel and what's their perspective. But again, that, that's bigger than the personal relationship between the leaders.
1: Mm, OK, I'm glad that people actually think like that. Okay, so afterwards there was a lot of backing and forthing. Tat- tat- the whole tête-à-tête. The Israelis complained about the the resolution, and then John Kerry, U.S. Secretary of the United States Secretary of State for the United States, came up and said some pretty um, pretty unusual things for an American Secretary of State to say. Would you care to comment on them?
3: Um. Again, I think that what he said was disappointing because it was un- unbalanced and that was like the UN resolution which was unbalanced most of his 72 minutes speech was blaming israel for the lack of peace uh, instead of confronting the real cause of the conflict which is the palestinians refusing to accept the existence of a jewish state uh, at, 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 in any borders and i think this is the the major problem we have with the palestinians Prime Minister Netanyahu stated that uh, um, the two-state solution is the solution, uh, uh, but for that, we need the Palestinians to, to accept a Jewish state, a Jewish nation-state, uh, and then we can negotiate on the borders. And how can you make peace with someone who rejects your very existence? You know, that that's a, pro- that's a problem. That's what I think was not in uh, Secretary Kerry's pitch. And... Uh, you know, blaming the Israelis most of this speech. Again, this would not lead to a solution. This would not lead to a dialogue.
1: Okay. If you're just joining us again, our guest today is Mohan Bierlman, who is the Council for Public Diplomacy of Israel Council Chicago. We're talking about the recent UN resolution condemning settlements that are being built in the West Bank, also known as Judea and Samaria. So the, the there are people within the uh, the the coalition government that Israel has for those who are not familiar with Israeli politics it's not just one group of people that are like taking over the government it, has, it re- requires like a whole bunch of different parties with different ideologies there are people within the coalition that are saying in response to this resolution Israel needs to finally after 50 years Annex the West Bank. Make it part of Israel. Forget about a two-state solution, which is something that should have been done when there were 200,000 Palestinians living in that area now that there's probably two million of them. <clears throat> what about the one-state solution versus a two-state solution? I know that your boss, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, is in favor of the two-state, but it seems a little bit fart-fetched if these Palestinians don't want one.
3: Uh, it is, it is, but uh and the uh for those who don't know the Israel political system, it is very complicated, and we have many different voices in the coalition saying different things. Uh, again, two-stage solution, and uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu repeated that, and Ambassador Derma repeated that uh, again, even after Secretary Kerr's speech and even after the UN resolution. This is uh, still uh, uh, how we see uh, things in Israel, and I think it's possible. But again, for that, we need a partner. Uh, we need someone to negotiate to. There are many creative uh, ideas. Uh, We can uh, negotiate with them uh, um, of how we see the the settlers uh, in the uh, West Bank uh, status and how we see the Palestinians' status, Uh, but we have to negotiate, and I still think that the two-state solution is the solution, and it it, it is the only solution uh, uh, to peace between Israel and the Palestinians.
1: Okay, I maintain. I I don't
3: see any other uh, any other uh, solution uh,
1: uh, possible at that point. Uh, We could we could disagree about that, but uh, not going to go into that right now. Eight years ago, when President Barack Obama was up for first election versus McCain, there was I predicted with Obama's election that nothing was going to happen in Israel as long as Obama was president as opposed to say like bush 2 we came up with this whole plan and israel's have to give back 40% of the land and it was going to create a big belt right in between that was going to divide israel so that the, the palestinians could have a contiguous state my uh, prediction actually came true and as far as negotiations there from 8 years ago there's been no pressure put on israel and nothing has happened as far as negotiations go. And the man on the street in Tel Aviv and Yerushalayim and Haifa feels uh, much happier and secure. They have uh, one or two or three telephone cell phones. Their their kids are dressed well. Their bellies are full. And life goes on in Israel. Would you like to comment on that, please, uh, Mr. Behrman?
3: Um. First of all, I have to again uh, say that uh, people in Israel, in Tel Aviv and Haifa and Jerusalem and in the uh, my Golan, the kibbutz where I was born, they they all they they are very different, and we have a big diversity in Israel: uh, different religions, different uh, backgrounds. Uh, um, but everybody wants peace, and, and again, the the economic uh, situation in Israel is pretty good right now, and we are thankful for that and for the Israeli economy being strong. Uh, But we still want peace, the the people of Israel, uh, um, uh, with their different opinions, with their different views. And you know uh, the the saying, uh, two Jews, three opinions. So in Israel we have about five million Jews, so imagine how many opinions uh, we have. But still, I think what unites us and what uh, connects the people of Israel is that uh, we think peace is possible and and is important. And again, this uh, is not connected to to the current administration in the u.s. or the, the current prime minister or the current coalition in israel this is something i think that the, not only the state of israel but the jewish people eh, eh, it's one of the most important uh, values from the times of the bible and, and until now and every peace agreement israel did with its neighbors that led to 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 not only a, a, a boost boosting the economy but but to to good times and good feelings with the people of israel uh, uh, so uh, so I, I i i know that in, in the current administration we we didn't have uh, um uh, too much uh, um we, we we didn't achieve a lot in terms of uh, uh, the relationship between us and the Palestinians, and we are looking forward to work with the next administration. But again, I I think that the current administration in the U.S. is not to blame uh, in the situation, but we do think the Palestinians should come to the negotiating negotiating table without preconditions and just negotiate peace. It would be good for the Israeli people, and of course it would would be good for the Palestinian people as well. I'm sure they want peace as much as Israel wants peace.
1: Okay, I've got one more question for you, and this one is a very loaded question. I've had uh, members, representatives from the Israel Council on my show over the last 21 years. It's seven different administrations that have come through, six or seven. And I've posed the same question to every one of them, and every one of them has basically skirted the issue. And that being, how can you make peace with the Palestinians who do not want to make peace with you. If you go to the Palestinian Authority website, they have a map of Palestine, which includes the entirety of Israel. And they make their their goals known, that we will not stop at the West Bank or even East Jerusalem, a divided capital. Forget it. We want Tel Aviv. We want Netanya. We want the entire country from Egypt to Lebanon. So, why is it that the Israelis are still sitting down and trying to acquiesce to demands of a hostile regime?
3: First of all, I, we have peace now with uh, Egypt and Jordan. And if you would uh, uh, see how the people in Egypt uh, uh, speak before the peace agreement in Israel, and by the way, also now, uh, some of them don't think that the Jewish uh, uh, state should even be should even exist. So uh, that uh, doesn't mean we don't have peace with them. For for peace, we need a, a brave leader. We need a strong leader. Uh, uh, someone like President Sadat in Egypt, who was uh, assassinated because of the fact he he did what he did with with Israel. Um, but he was brave in in, in doing that. Um, I do think that the uh, Palestinian people, uh, uh, even if their leaders or or some of their leaders or some of their politicians uh, uh, see it differently or don't think uh, peace is possible, think that if they'll wait enough and they'll they'll get more UN resolutions. They would get the whole uh, 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 land between uh, the the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. Um, I don't think that's true. I I, I think that when a strong leader comes, uh, uh, um, the only way that they can make peace, the the only way that they can, uh, uh, that Palestine can be a a thriving country, a a succeeding country. in the future, would be by peace. Uh, it would not help to to say that the, the Jewish uh, uh, state does not exist, or that the, the Jews should not live in the land of Palestine, as they call it. It would not help them. It would not help us. It would not achieve anything. And when they realize that sooner or later, and and they'll negotiate with us, we will achieve peace. Uh, uh, we will we will we will not disappear. We will not leave Israel. We we would not uh, uh, give them the land and and I think they they understand that even if their official website uh, uh, states differently
1: Okay, now let me politely disagree with you you brought in use Egypt and Jordan as precedent the real precedent should be really what happened in Gaza because as soon as they kept on saying if you leave Gaza there will be peace and the Israelis left Gaza and we've had three major conflicts because there was no Israeli presence in Gaza, so if you have now a some kind of a two-state solution, and you have rockets not located in in uh, Gaza that are that are pointing at uh, Stayrot, but you have rockets in Jerusalem that are pointing at Jerusalem. You know, how much more so we would say there wouldn't be any peace because this regime has never acquiesced and no one has stood up since the PLO started to say that we want peace with Israel and that Israel is the the bearing the brunt of a marketing campaign by the Palestinian Authority that proposes it is the victim when indeed it's Israel is the victim.
3: So I think we have to... Uh, remember that what happened in Gaza is that we, we Israel withdrew unilaterally from Gaza without uh, negotiations and without uh, uh, an agreement, uh, and this would not happen again. again uh, exactly because uh, what you said, we we left Gaza and we thought that would help, but we got uh, rockets instead, and, and we got three major conflicts since then, and we got uh, terror tunnels, and and we got. Uh, uh,
1: a mess, yes.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What you say? Uh, how you call? What you call in addition a mess? So this is what would not happen. Why it would not happen in the West Bank? Uh, we would not do it unilaterally. And again, this is exactly why we need direct negotiations. And in in that we would also have to negotiate the issue of demilitarization of of the West Bank of the Palestinian, uh, uh, the future Palestinian uh, uh, state. Uh, We would not allow uh, rockets uh, being placed uh, near Jerusalem or near Petr Tikva or near uh, Ben Gurion airport. Uh, We would not allow that. But that's for the future negotiations. And I, I I think that the people of Israel, many people in Israel before the uh, disengagement from Gaza, they saw it as a a very important step. Uh, They were very optimistic uh, at giving the land to the Palestinians of uh, uh, of a land without any Jewish settlements in Gaza or or, uh, Israeli soldiers. But because what happened since then in Gaza with with, uh, Hamas uh, came to power and with the rockets and with the conflict. People in Israel changed their views and now we don't see any other way uh, other than direct negotiations and demilitarization.
1: Okay. And I
3: think that G- Gaza is a story, by the way, if the Palestinians uh, uh, would want to, to, to see Gaza as a successful successful place, as if you would like, or some people uh, uh, call it the Singapore of the Middle East, Gaza could be that. But instead of of putting money in schools, in hospitals, in education, they, they spend their money on terror tunnels and rockets, and the, the people in Gaza are suffering, and the people in the Israel cities near Gaza are also suffering, and that led to nothing, and that's, again, there are no settlers in Gaza now, no Israelis, no soldiers, no Jews, but they're still shooting rockets at us,
1: mm-hmm. which
3: is something that I just can't understand.
1: Mm hmm. OK. It goes back to what their agenda is. OK. that unfortunately uh, we are out of time for this segment. Our guest today has been the consul for Public Diplomacy from the Israel Council in Chicago, Mr. Moran Berman. You're going to be here for about three years, I would think.
3: Yes, three years. Uh- Three winters, and, <laughs> and I hope to visit in Detroit soon also. I still didn't have the chance to go.
1: Okay, but, we uh, will invite hopefully. you indeed, and uh, mm-hmm. we want to thank you so much, and wish you Hatzlacha Rabba, and tremendous success in all of your endeavors here, and there should be finally peace throughout the world. This is what everybody hopes for, this, especially the time of year that we're in now. And mm-hmm. Hanukkah Sameach for the last Amen. couple of hours left, and uh, all good things.
3: Happy Hanukkah to you too, Robert Simon.
1: Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay, that's going to do it for us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Schulterman, who you are listening to the Jewish Hour. With this, we have time now for a little bit of music. This is the Klezmatics. This is taken from the Woody Guthrie Hanukkah Klezmer album. This song is called Groovy Freylichs. of quality and excellence in kosher look for the michigan k on the label what's it look like the lower peninsula of michigan with a k it's a symbol of the michigan kosher supervisors go to their website mycosup.com. that's mi for michigan ko for kosher and sup for supervisors Mycosup.com and find this month's featured products you'll find michigan k products wherever fine food is sold especially at natural food patch on west nine mile road in ferndale Herschel here. Herschel here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour on 1500 AM and now 92.7 FM. If you're in the Detroit area and listening to 1500, I would suggest you switch over to FM 92.7, like about right now, because we're going to be playing music and music sounds so much better in stereo. Up next, a star on the horizon. Maybe this is Hezi Pinson. His, his name He's from California. He's a young man. Just over Bar Mitzvah, and he's doing a remake of Matis Yahu's Miracles.
2: Living in the miracle, canoes on my vehicle, late nights, gonna shine. And long and be divisible Born to the struggle Keep on moving through all this hustle Head up and down through all the bustle New York City wanna flex your muscle Look so down, look so puzzled Hot around the fire through all the rubble Down to stumble and fall Love my strength
1: you know have an addiction to opiates ready to take your life back but don't have the time for a long inpatient program mds drug detox is a team of physicians with extensive experience in the field of rapid drug detox under anesthesia mds is the nation's only rapid opiate detox under anesthesia facility with the same doctors rns and certified paramedics attending the entire drug detox process MDS Drug Detox is safe and effective. Their goal is to provide the best, the safest, and the most economical way to free you from your addiction. MDS uses the highest standards of care and the best FDA-approved medications. MDS Drug Detox understands what your concerns are. Make the call today, 888-637-6968, or go online to www.mdsdrugdetox.com. That's 888-637-6968, MDS Drug Detox. Hey, Schultzman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up next, this is brand new, this is the New York Boys Choir. It's a Hanukkah song, and it's called Light Up. Herschel been here. You are listening to The Jewish Hour. We we play a lot of music, and there's some music that I just don't play over here. Like, for example, I don't play I Have a Little Dreidel. It's just, it's, it's too much, and it goes way back. And mostly the reason why I don't play I Have a Little Dreidel is because I learned it when I was three. And then in my mind, it's a song for a three-year-old. I recently came across bit of information that I have a little dreidel it was written in 1912 by a certain uh, Samuel Shmuel Goldfarb. He also happened to write Shalom Aleichem, him and his brother which is a song that we sing at the beginning of the Friday Night Meal. We've played various versions of that, and I always thought it was very, very old. You know, it is, Shalom Aleichem Aleichem That one was only written in 1914. This idea of, I have a little drill actually goes back as a story of mine involving me personally. I was in concert choir in high school, and we had a very, very well-developed, concert choir we were doing for the winter concert we were doing things in 12 part harmony and uh, various fugues and rounds and so things like this very you know Handel's Messiah was like uh, no big deal for the Hanukkah stuff we were doing I have a little dreidel I made it out of clay. it was just like the choir as was the school was 40% Jewish and we went to the choir master and said this is bogus We've been singing this since we were three years old. Isn't there any real Hanukkah music? And he went and he found something done by Mendelssohn called Judeus Maccabeus, which I have yet to really actually find a copy of on CD. If anybody wants to give me a Hanukkah present, give me one of those. But I I have contacted Naxos about it, and they said that they did one copy like 30 years ago, and it's on, on tape, and they're not putting it on digitalized, et cetera, et cetera. And I, being a very deep-voiced person, was given an aria for the bass, which was the high priest who went into the temple and saw that the oil, the menorah, should have burnt out, and it was not yet burnt out. So there was a time when it was like, okay, all soloists come for special rehearsal. And so I went and, you know, I did my thing, and I don't remember exactly the words. But I started it, and after about a measure and a half... The choir master stopped me and he said, Finman, you're flat. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm right on key. He said, no. I is you're not singing it with any excitement. Come on, put a, little, put a little excitement into it. So I tried it again and he stopped me after like the third note. He said, the way you're singing it, it's like you're saying, oh, you know what? There's a really awesome miracle happening right there. Let's go grab some lunch. So I looked at him like blankly. He said, Finman, haven't you ever seen a miracle? And I told him, I'm 16 years old. I've never seen a miracle. And he said, the sun rose up this morning? I said, yeah. He said, that's a miracle. He said, did you wake up this morning, Finman? And I said, yeah. And he said, knowing you, Finman, that's really a miracle. Now, sing it like it means it. So I sang it, and I got through it. The point being, as the song we played before, is that we don't need now, we're not getting the Hanukkah type miracles, but every aspect of our life is totally and completely filled with divine providence, God directing the footsteps of man. I've often told people that my life is kind of like hanging on to a surfboard, and I'm just like riding the wave. Wherever the wave will take me. And just have a lot of faith in God and it'll all work out. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour.
0: Hi, this is Spex Howard
1: from the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. We're happy to sponsor The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding for The Jewish Hour comes from its sponsors, it's listeners like you that help keep The Jewish Hour on the air please send your tax-deductible donation to The Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. That's 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. Your help is greatly appreciated. Herr Schultenman, here. You are listening to The Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Easiest way? RabbiFinman.com. com. What will you find there? You'll find, first of all, the contact right on the home page. Don't have to go looking. You'll also find archived editions of the radio show, archived editions of the Hasidic U story, the U Parsha, the E Parsha, different ways in which I convey the ins and outs of Judaism in, in a hopefully entertaining and educational way right there at your disposal. And my motto is keep it brief. Someone once told me about a speech. That if you keep on drilling, you're just going to bore people. Uh, anyway, and you'll also find a very important donations page. We have not paid for November yet, and uh, Salem Communications is very patient, but I have never gone three months without paying. I've gone three months, but it seems to always uh, get it together. So we need you. We need you to go to RabbiFinman.com. It is the new year. You finished giving for the last year already. January 1st, well, okay, that's fine. Now's the new year. Let's start off fresh. How about a resolution? $10 a month to the to the Jewish Hour. Very easy. You go to the Jewish, you go to RabbiFinman.com. You click on the donations page. You give them the information that's necessary. If you have PayPal, it's so quick. It takes 30 seconds. If you have a credit card, well, it takes three minutes. Then you click on the monthly donations. You do it monthly and then you just forget about it for the entire year. And you did it, and that's a new year's resolution. It's like, you know, joining a gym and like only going for like the first 2 weeks of January and then the rest of your yearly membership goes right down the drain. This is just going to be the gift that keeps on giving and you keep the Jewish hour afloat because of people like you. So go to it. Don't like doing internet Credit cards, I understand. Send your donation to... We're going to change the address, actually. Send your donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest. That's 1725 Pinecrest, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. And we're going to have Mr. Lieben hopefully sometime in the near future, change the uh, pledge request. This time we are for the next month. Jewish Ferndale, which is part of the umbrella organization of Jew, the Jewish Hour, will be holding a raffle. First prize is a hundred thousand dollars. Yes, that's correct. You heard me correct. A hundred thousand dollars. You can go to Jewish to RabbiFinman dot com and purchase these tickets. They're 100 bucks a hundred bucks apiece. And you bore if you buy more tickets, then they become cheaper. If you do it before tomorrow, like you have till tomorrow night, then there's an early bird raffle for people who entered early for a trip before to Israel, or I think it's like uh, $10,000. That's the early one. So that way you get into two raffles for the same same cost, mm-hmm. and it's $100. So go there and do it. Um, if you'd want to send it via mail, so then it's not going to get there tomorrow because there's no mail today or tomorrow. Understood, so we'll let you, you could win $100,000, yes. And we're not joking, this is absolutely 100% legal. So go do that. We've got a Hanukkah story for you. Actually, the story happens, starts in the year 1904 in the city of Lubavitch at Simchas Torah, which is back a couple months ago. Uh, the Rebbe Rashab, the then Rebbe, the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, Rebbe Shalem Bear, was sitting and holding a Hasidic gathering. And he asked one of the participants there about his business. He was a logging agent, which meant that he was the one who brokered the trees to the the seller to the buyer. He was the middleman. And what he would do is he would go through the woods and decide what trees were the ones that would come down. And the Rebbe asked him, when you go through your trips through the woods, do you carry your menorah with you? And he said, No. I keep it in my house. I go out for the day. I come back at night. I light the menorah. So the Rebbe Rashab told him, I think it would be a good idea for you to carry your menorah with you. So he said, okay. The Rebbe said, okay, he's going to do it. So the second day of Hanukkah, so he was walking through the woods and he realized, oh, I forgot my menorah. He went back to his house. He got the menorah. And then shortly thereafter, he was mugged. Now, mugging in Russia at that time was not your money, your life. It was your money and your life. And they said, well, once we we, uh, we take your money, of course, we're going to kill you. So he said to them, understanding maybe this is what the Rebbe Rashab had in mind, he said, if you don't mind, can I light my menorah one more time? It was now the third night of Hanukkah. So they said, sure, go ahead, you know, uh, Jews. So they lit the menorah. Now, it just so happened that a, uh, a a garrison of soldiers was passing by, and they saw the flame through the woods. They traveled towards it, and they came towards it, and they saw what was going on. They immediately arrested the, the, the robbers. They set this young man free, and everybody lived happily ever after, and the man experienced his own Hanukkah miracle. That's going to do it for the show. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. Enjoy the rest of Hanukkah you have. Hanukkah goes until sundown. You can eat latkes and have without a care. But the light of Hanukkah continues throughout the year. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you again back again next week. Take care.